There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Tyler Copenhaver Heath, a biochemist and MBA graduate, stands as a beacon of resilience and transformative success. From humble beginnings on welfare with a father in prison, Tyler transformed his challenges into entrepreneurial triumphs. He founded Apex Customs, evolving it from a garage startup to a multi-million dollar enterprise, selling it and several other businesses in under a decade. Beyond his business milestones, Tyler's heart beats for the underdog. Having selflessly assisted over 100 new or struggling entrepreneurs without charge, he's a living testament to the power of giving back. At the core of Tyler's life mission is a belief. Underdogs, when brought to success, harness the power to change the world. I hope you find this conversation with Tyler as inspirational and uplifting as I did. Welcome, Tyler, to The Ethical Evolution. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Now, uh, you're joining us all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. For those people who haven't heard of you and don't know what you do, can you go ahead and tell us who you are and what you do? Oh, man. Um, So I've actually started to define it this way, and I, I don't know whether this is lame or not, but I would say basically... I fight bullies and I support underdogs. Mm. And I do that through a couple different ways, including um, small business and our companies. And how exactly do you do that, Tyler? Yes, glad you asked. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so, uh, so a lot of different ways, really. Um, so we have, oh, six companies now. Um, and one of which is, uh, I'm in the studio right now. Mm-hmm. We think this is a key component for small business people for spreading good messages, telling good stories. We call, we have three initiatives out of this, uh, studio, well, two out of this studio and one across the world, um, that we call content for good. Mm-hmm. And it's basically my podcast, uh, which is underdogs, bootstrappers, game changers. That's 100% for charity. We do it in a way that like the audience, our focus is people starting on their own people like maybe without the rich uncle that can't guide them through business. Like I literally try to focus on maybe the 20 year old me Mm -hmm. and try to help them with people that are motivational or like good stories or like have good education around it. And I talk about the other side of business that I don't feel like anybody talks about. Um, We also have a uh, podcast on bullying. So long-term training partner of mine, he was in the UFC. His name's Clifford Starks. He was a bullied kid. Um, went up to number five middleweight in the world. Um, doesn't get bullied, bullied anymore, but um, Arizona, unfortunately, is uh, 
the teen suicide capital of of the country. So we wanted to do something about bullying. So we have a podcast on that. Um, we have a docu-series where we travel the world and we seek out founders of amazing organizations. We did our first uh, episode in Cambodia last year. Once again, both of those are for charity as well. One for teen suicide and then the other monetizes the foundation we go to. Um, on top of that, we have a business called Glaive, and that focuses on small business, helping small business people. We have a little compound here. There's free desk usage. You come in anytime if you want to work on a business plan, accounting, whatever. I, I, I sit with about 10 people a week. Um, I, we also have seminars here on property that we do for business around the same subjects. Uh, yes. I think I've taken up enough time. There's probably more. <laughs> That's incredible, man. That is incredible. Now, let's just back up the truck a little. And, you know, yes. that everyone's got a catalyst for doing what they do. If we go back to your childhood and growing up, do you want to tell us how it all started for you? Yeah. Um, I, like... A little bit of a rough upbringing. Uh, father was in prison. Never talked about that until the last two years. Um, the uh, mom was an alcoholic, drug addict. Mom's boyfriend, one of the worst humans I've ever met. I guess I can still say that out loud. Um, so it, a little bit tough. I've given a tough time by teachers. Maybe some of it deserved. Definitely a lot of it not deserved. Um, grew up thinking I would never amount to anything. First full-time job at 13, so I was really focused on work and not school. Uh, transition came somewhere. I would love to pinpoint so I can help somebody with that, but mm -hmm. uh, I want like I thought I was. I thought I was stupid. Honestly, I was told I was stupid. You know, I never like felt like I was that intelligent or anything. And then I like something got in me. I still can't describe what. I decided to go to college. And that was crazy. You know, probably it's because I kept getting doors closed in my face. You know, mm -hmm. I had like my first $100,000 a year job at 20 years old, you know, and then sales job. And, uh, and then I would like go to try to work for better companies. They'd be like, you don't have a degree. And they'd close the door on me. And I'd be like, what do you mean? I'm the top person in the entire country for this, you know? And it's like, and I look at my accolades and it's like, don't care, don't have a degree. So I guess maybe I got frustrated enough by that. And so I dared go to college. Um, and I like chose what I thought was manageable, which was a business course. And um, I actually did really well in it and continued to do well my first two semesters. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't as bad as I thought. Maybe maybe I've got a little bit more in there than I thought I did. And, you know, so, and then I got like that chip on my shoulder and I think it a lot, obviously all this leads to what I do now. Um, in hindsight, you know, it's like, so I got that chip on my shoulder and I was like, what is the hardest degree this place has to offer? <laughs> Give me the hardest degree and the hardest degree I could think of. And there's some more reasons, but the hardest degree I could think of was biochemistry. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to get that one. Little did I know I would absolutely love it. But mm -hmm. I, were, I, uh, I did research in a spider lab for a year, um, studying amino acid, uh, spider silk, um, amazing, you know, and then, uh, and then went on from there, you know, ended up, uh, a little side hustle. I had, um, ripping apart cars, um, turned into getting in trouble with the city that turned into living in a trailer in a desert lot with a, a shack of a place to work. And that grew into um, my first company, which uh, I sold a couple years ago now. They had clients like the Rolling Stones and the WWE and oh, um, who else? Colony, BMW, Disney, you know, we had all these huge clients from this little lean-to shack that we <laughs> grew into a business. And, uh, and then, yeah, 
sold that company, started a couple others during that company cycle. I think you do that when you start opening business and you're like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought, you know, mm. it's like now once again, you're like braver and you're like, okay, I'm going to open this, open a mattress store. Um, we had a supplement company. Uh, I'm sure I always forget a couple of long, a lighting business, you know, so um, sold those and then now currently doing what we're doing. So again, incredible. And, you know, when we look at underdogs, um, generally, uh, there's there's a pattern that they're they're following from generations before them, and often they repeat that. Um, what was it in you that made you break that cycle? Ah, uh, it's such a great question. It's not like my my parents are actually beautiful human beings in a lot of ways. You know, it's just like they probably should have never had kids. That's mm. the way I describe it all the time. You know, and like um, and then addiction obviously is a horrible thing, right? Um, and so. I think I got a little bit of my heart, especially I, I love animals. My mm. mom's a huge animal person. You know, I got that heart from them. Um, my mom was a high school dropout though, you know? And so like, obviously we, ch- and my brother's a PhD, by the way, my mm. brother's a PhD. Other one is a uh, bachelor's works for oil companies and computer science all over the world. So it wasn't just me, mm. you know, it was my brothers that did it too. And I would love to pinpoint what the cycle breaking thing for me. One of the things that I try to tell people all the time is get a job working around rich people. Mm. Like that desensitized me to what success was, what wealthy people were. Um, You know, it gave me a little bit of a chip on my shoulder again because I wasn't treated very well at these jobs, but I realized how normal wealthy people were. Mm. And like the second you throw this like thing into the wind that says like, they're better than you, they're smarter than you, they're anything. And you realize we're all people of capabilities of anything, especially my country and your country, we can have anything we want. Mm. We just got to be willing to suffer a little bit more. It's like, I like my, my thing when I first got into my first business is like my main competitor was a billion backed by a billionaire. It's like, what am I going to do? It's like, well, I know they're going to be out on Friday night and I know I'm not, I know they won't answer the phone on Saturday and I will, you know, I know they're not going to work 140 hours a week and I will, you know, it's like, so you have to just like, you have to use a little bit more pain to lever the playing field in my opinion. But you know, and then it's, it's literally a mindset thing. You know, I love, um, do you ever read Malcolm Gladwell? Yes. Yeah. Love Malcolm Gladwell. He gives Mm. me some of my best stuff in life about underdogs, about like the capabilities of human beings. A lot of it, what I call it is seeing it possible, right? Just Mm. thinking you can do it. It's hard when everybody you're around is like the max level in your community is some drug dealer. You know, it's like, that's your like shooting star. But imagine if your cousin's a lawyer, brother's a doctor, you know, it's like now these are normal people. These are normal things that you can achieve much harder when you're not seeing that, you know? And so, and I mean, Malcolm even says like, uh, based on studies, it's like your environment has more to do the, with your progress in life than your family actually does. So you can have screw up parents and be in a decent environment and actually do better. Absolutely. And it's funny, you know, like in today's climate where, you know, we're so ready to compare ourselves to everyone else. Um, and I think sometimes that can be our downfall, but it can also be our motivation, can't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I always tell people too, like take bits and pieces, mm. you know, like I talk about Steve Jobs a lot. A lot of his business stuff I love, you know, but him as a human being, I want it, I want nothing to do. I don't want to be anything like him as a mm. person. Mm. I, I can't, I can't stand what he did to his employees, his adopted parents, you know, um, do you know much about Steve Jobs? I do. Yes. Yes. I read, <laughs> yeah. I read, um, so I think book. folks look yeah. into his history, you know, great business guy, not the greatest human being. So. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, mindset 
is a big thing uh, for us to get anywhere. Now, you've taken mindset and you've married it with biochemistry and, and the entrepreneurship work that you do. Yeah. What, what was the magic sauce that brought those two together? You know, I think it's uh, basically breaking down complexity, right? Biochemistry is pretty complicated, but I actually think you can be good in anything you're passionate towards, right? The second I got interested in it, it was way easier for one. Um, a lot of people hate organic chemistry. I loved it. You know, like I thought it was amazing. You know, we, we get handed a mystery pill and now we got to figure out what it is through chemical process. That's mm. amazing to mm. me, but breaking down complex subjects so that I could understand them for my biochem degree has been invaluable for me because once I can break them down so I can understand them, cause I bring them down to a very simple level. I can explain them to anybody. And so I do the same thing with business these days. And I think that's been the key to marrying those two things, um, doing hard things for one is obviously a good thing, mm. but also like breaking down complexity to understandable levels now allows me to work with 15 business people a week and explain anything I can make, believe it or not, I can make accounting fun. <laughs> I literally can't, you know, and like, I don't know many people that can do that. And I think it's as a result of starting with this high complexity around biochemistry and now going into business stuff. Mm. And, you know, I, I had a check out of your, your website before uh, we started our conversation, Tyler, and I've worked in communications for over 20 years and I have to say you are a content king. Like, <laughs> where did you pick up those skills? Oh, that I appreciate so much. You say. You're almost going to make me cry <laughs> because it's like one of the things in life that I've struggled with. You know, it's like I've never thought I was a very good writer, you know, and like my website, even when you brought it up, I like uh, <laughs> probably got a little bit chills or something like, oh, no, they, she saw it. You know, it's like. Ah. So it's been something I've been working on. I actually wrote a book two years ago, um, but I've been afraid to release it. I, I would say like content in general, like if we're going to talk about content strategy, what you should do with this video now, um, I didn't embrace it for the longest time. Mm. I mean, to make my point, I don't bring this up so people think I'm cool or whatever. I bring it up because the point is it's so important for small business people. But in my first business, we were offered four reality shows because people thought we were so cool. I like had no desire to do that. Right. I didn't get on social media. If you walked in the place, I said, I worked there. If you met me on the street, I was a mechanic, you know, I didn't mm. own a company, you know, it's like, so uh, I finally had a change and that's like a whole story in itself, you know, but then I started looking into this as a tool and the tool that it can become and the tool that it can be, you know, I spent years going to charities spent five years at the children's home, never told anybody. One point, a girlfriend thought I was cheating on her, spent uh, a lot of time in the animal clinic, um, helping over there, uh, would never tell anybody these things, you know, and it's like, I thought that was being humble, mm. but I was wrong. You know, it's like, it is being humble. Probably if you do something for somebody on the street today, you probably don't need to tell everybody about that. But when you're involved with a cause of passion that you believe in, you need to talk about it, Right. And so I think that's where this is a tremendous tool. It equals mm -hmm. the playing field for small business. I mean, we do a lot. We, I get a lot of feedback about our bullying podcast, about how it's helpful. And this is just me and Cliff interviewing people that have been bullied and now successful, right? And how they did it, right? And like the whole like crux of my life these days really is taking kids, maybe even similar to myself or people with other hard backgrounds and let's get them through that. 
because it, overcoming adversity is the key indicator to success. Mm-hmm. Another Malcolm Gladwell thing, mm-hmm. right? It's like, uh, you can tell I love the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, like, so we need to get people through that adversity in whatever level that is, because these people change the world, right? So, and that's what I look at, like a lot of what we do these days, like, let's hope you overcome that adversity because your change in the world I mean, selfishly, it gets to be my change too, Mm. right? And one of the best ways to change things is business. Elon can change anything in the world he wants to right now, Mm. right? Business success. Bill Gates can change anything in the world he wants to right now. So I'm hardcore focused on bringing people with huge hearts to success because they go back and change things they were frustrated about just like me. I love that. I absolutely love that. And, and you know, that's, again, the whole mission behind this show is actually share the stories of change makers and also then amplify those and bring them together and make the world a smaller place so that we're all on the same page because we are all one, you know. Like I, I often used to say during the middle of the pandemic, what I do today impacts your tomorrow. Pandemic or yeah. not, that still is the case. So we're all in yeah. this world together. And if we're actually here to lift each other up instead of pull each other down, look at the incredible change we can make in this universe. And that's yes. exactly what you're doing, man. And I love it. Oh, thank you so much. And like, I listen to your podcast too. And I'm like, oh, I, I get this on every level. I'm excited about being here because I'm with you. And I think the world is ready for this too. I love that about the younger generation. Say what you want, but they care. Mm. They're holding businesses accountable. They want business to mean something. And I think that is, business should mean something, right? Not only for the world, but for yourself. You know, like I spend a lot of time in a first world business and there's a whole hour we could talk about my regrets. Even though people thought I had the coolest company in the world, I don't see it that way. Mm. I see it as maybe a 10-year derailment for my life, right? Now, it brought me everything. It brought me all the hard lessons I needed to help people today. So I have to be glad for it. But like now that I look at business as a mission and a purpose, then like my whole life changed. And, you know, like I've been bringing this point up a lot. You know, I don't want to segue too much, um, but... My friend used to always tell me, Tyler, I want you to have joy. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm not joyous. Joy is not for me. Life is a big butt kicking, you know? And like, I'm not, I, like, to be honest, I've never been that happy in life. You know, I don't want people to feel bad for me. You shouldn't, you know, I'm fine. But like, I think if you can't be happy yourself, then I'm food closed watered, you know, I don't have any reason to not be okay, right? Mm. You know, like, so if you can't be your happy yourself, Try to make somebody else's ride easier is the way I started looking at it. So I don't have joy. Maybe I can help somebody at least get, you know, something that is equal on a level with what I have already. You know, and the, I, my life changed. I started working in all these different directions of passion. Now I have joy. Absolutely have joy. I love what I do every day, single day. I love the impact I get to make. I feel like I'm doing the right thing. You know, I have delusions of grandeur of changing things in the world. And I feel like I'm on that path. And that is amazing. And so like, if you're out there and you think joy isn't possible, I'd say start aligning that to what your purpose is, Mm. you know, because the second you start walking and not only that, but opportunities, like I could tell you for 20 minutes, I got off the phone with a friend earlier today. He's like, I can't believe all the blessings that are coming into your life. And it's so true. 
It's like, I could tell you things right now. You're like, you couldn't believe, you know, it's like, and it's, it's walking in this purpose, you know, and it's doing the right thing by people. You know, I really think so. It's not that I haven't always done that to some extent doing the right thing by people, but now I'm actually if in doing it in my purpose, if that makes sense. Mm, absolutely. And I was just on a, another podcast last week and I was asked a question because, you know, I speak to hundreds of people around the world. And so yeah. I pick up all this wisdom and I have so much knowledge from other people and, you know, just I pick up these themes as we go. And I was asked, you know, does the vibration of the the entrepreneur or the person running a business result in the results in the business? And I was like, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the vibration speaks for itself. And if and I can see that in you, Tyler, is that you're now resonating in that level of joy because you're making such an impact and that's now circling back to you. You're attracting all those people who need that in you and then you're rippling that change. Oh, thank you so much. I, I agree with you 100%, especially mm. in smaller businesses. Whatever your ethics are, the business is. Whatever, you're, whatever you take pride in, the business will. You know, it's like it becomes your culture. You know, we don't talk enough in small business about culture. Mm. The culture is going to be the entrepreneur, really, especially when you first start, you know, like in a small company. It's like if you prize work ethic and I have whole stories with that, you know, too. It's like, if you prize work ethic, that's what the company is going to prize. If you prize ethics, that's what the company is going to prize, you know? And so, and then the second you deviate from that, you're going to have cultural issues. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate you saying that. I like, you try to do the right things in life and, you know, and be in the right place. And I'm lucky enough now, I would say two, three people a week walk in our businesses, walk in our place. And they say, I'm blessed to have found this place. You know what a feeling that is? Mm. Like it is an amazing feeling to tell pe- people are walking into your business and saying, I'm blessed to have found you. Mm. This is amazing. That's incredible. Let's just go back to bullying for a sec. Like yeah. how did you tap into that and why did you focus on that? Was it something that you also experienced that you wanted to tackle or what what started that for you? You ask great questions and yeah, and what's interesting is you set out to do something for someone else or to help something else and you learn about yourself every single time. Mm. So for me, I watched a uh, documentary called Bully, which I highly suggest everybody in the world watch it, but bring out your handkerchief when you watch it. Um, It's really sad. And you know, right around then when I saw that, I had just sold my company. And it like frustrated me so bad. And I tell people this all the time too. If you have something that hurts on a different level, it's like your heart and the stomach at the same time, that is your sign. You're supposed to do something about this thing, right? And so for me, like that bullying thing, those kids on the bus, I was just like heartbroken over it. And I'm like, you know what? I have time. I have resources. I'm going to start flying out and riding the bus with kids. You know, I was like, that was my first thought, you know? And, uh, and then I was like, okay, well, I can't ride the bus with every kid. That's not practical, you know? (laughs) And so then it was like, well, I've been involved with MMA gyms for a long, long time. Right. And people don't realize this about MMA gyms. It is wonderful, beautiful people there. Mm -hmm. There's not thugs there. It's not the common misconception. If I miss a day of training, I have seven phone calls from my friends there. They are beautiful human beings. Mm. Trust me on this one. And so I'm like, if I can get them involved with those communities, like maybe that's a thing. But then it's like, well, not everybody's interested in um, MMA, right? You have a kid that might not be interested in that. So that scrapped that plan, right? I was going to go to across the country once again and walk people into those gyms. And... um, 
So the next step, I'm talking to my long-term training partner, Cliff, and I'm like frustrated about it. And he mentioned he was bullied as a kid. And so we kind of landed on this thing through more iterations. It's like, what do we do a podcast? And we'll interview people that had been bullied that now found their success. And the hope is we show kids there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? It's like, these people were where you are, you know, on different, and we try to get varied people like musicians and, you know, psychiatrists and um, athletes and all these different people to show them like, they're where you were and look what they did. And you can do the same thing. So I never thought I was bullied. I didn't have a problem with kids as a young adult or as a young kid. And um, so I never thought I was because that's how we define it. But I realized through the podcast that I was bullied, Mm -hmm. but I was bullied by adults, Mm -hmm. teachers, right? Or, you know, like I was a poor kid. So if anything went missing, I was the one that stole it. You know, it's like, so like I got bullied a lot in that sense, the, the stupid stuff, you know, that never, you'll never amount to anything. And so I never defined it that way before, but now I do. And like, I've made, I've had so much understanding insight from doing the podcast. You go to do something for somebody else and it's like, you learn more about yourself. Mm. And it's something that I resonate with. I was, I was bullied terribly when I was a kid and and into, you know, teenage years and uh, not just by kids, but teachers and adults as well. And like to the point where I'd get beaten up, all kinds of shit, you know? And so Horrible. Yeah, and I've had uh, people on on this show talking about bullying and I remember, uh, oh gosh, it would have been more than a year ago, uh, my good friend Rashauna Price, she was on uh, and she was talking about bullying and she she said a bully is a gift and when you look at it, it just changes your whole mindset around bullying. Instead of being a victim, it's actually yeah. a gift that you can actually learn from. And and guys, yeah. go back and look at the archives. It's it's all in there. But it it actually can help kids get through, or anybody who's being bullied, to actually change their whole mindset and and not be a victim, but to actually take it and use it as the fuel to get through it. Oh, and if they can do that, it's the key, right? Mm. Like I would guess somewhere in there is the reason you started this podcast is because you went through, through that, right? You know, like, would you say that that had some effect on the reason you do your work that you do today? Yeah, because one of the things that, uh, you know, again, I just recently said is that, you know, when we're bullied, we're not heard, we're not seen, we want to be pushed yeah. away. And that's exactly what yeah. podcasting does. It allows us to be heard and to be seen nowadays. Yeah. And that's exactly the reason why I do this. That's amazing. <laughs> and so... You know, I don't wish any of these things on people, you know, like I don't at all. I don't want them to go through this. I don't want them to go through the pain of this. But I mean, you have to go through it anyways, right? So why not use it? Like you're saying, treat it as a gift, Mm. right? Because otherwise we can let it destroy us, right? Or we could use it as a gift and get some good stuff done for the world. It's like, I'll tell you now, like I I was never uh, a bully, you know, but I could have probably been a a better advocate, you know, Mm. when I was younger. And my favorite person in the world now is the one that won't stand by and watch anything happen, right? I'm not that person, you know, like I will say something if something's not right going on, you can count on it, you know? Mm. So, and I've trained my mind to be well aware of who I am and I won't fall into herd mentality. You can have, you know, I like, I don't know if you mind me tell this story, but, um, I was once in a uh, group of people, about three, probably three, 400 people. And they're all screaming at this kid. He's on the balcony. 
and he's acting like he's going to jump in the pool, right? But the pool is not like, he's too far up. He's got the wrong angle. This kid's dead or paralyzed. You know, he jumps in the pool. 300 people in this crowd jump, jump, jump. And I'm in this crowd and I go, stop. You're going to hurt yourself. You know, it's like I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. He looks at me, he turns around, he goes back in the building. Whole crowd looked like they were going to jump me, you know. But, and you know, like, it's not because I'm a superhuman. It's because I've trained my mind to know where I find right and wrong. And just because the group's doing it does not mean it's right, you know. There's another, like, I just watched a documentary on Nazis, right? I don't know if you know, but they were given the choice to kill people or not. You could walk off. They had, they had, they sat there, you know, like you guys don't have to kill anybody. And they had one person leave and then 10 followed. That was it. 10 mm. out of however many were sitting there. Right. You know, and I'm sure more wanted to leave. So I guess like if you get a point across, it's like, make sure you know where you stand in life. And that doesn't always mean, you know, it's like not everybody's capable of fighting the bully, but a lot of times it's like being the voice of reason. Right. That's not that cool. As the bystander, you have so much power. You know, it's like, that's not cool. That's not funny, you know, like mm. the second that like brings away anything. Right. So it's not always about being brave. It's just about offering people that out, I guess, in a way. And, and it comes back to that, you know, like what we what we pass, we accept, you know, like whatever we don't speak up for, we just let pass by. And, th- and that just means we accept it. But we could be that voice that is that one that gets the ball rolling. We could be that voice that actually starts that avalanche or that ripple so that, yeah. you know, those that are in a herd mentality do join in and actually make that a louder voice. And it, that's all it takes. They usually do too. That's what's wild. It's like the second you like interject something, it's like, yeah. You know, it's like there was a podcast out there where they were making fun of this guy. The celebrity stole his girlfriend and they're all laughing and yucking it up about like the celebrity stealing his girlfriend. And turns out the kid goes, um, has to go to the uh, celebrity's yacht because the girlfriend had the keys to their mutual house, you know, and they're laughing and yucking this up. And a lot of people liked that video and I was disgusted by it, you know. And so I made a video like talking about the same thing. And a lot of people liked my video, you know. And so the thing is, it's like, I think people sometimes don't stop and think what they really feel about something. Mm. Like check what you feel. It's important. Don't check what everybody else is feeling. They're wrong most of the time. And the second you, you stand up for what's right, a lot of people fall in line with you and probably the majority most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yes, we see a lot of that on TikTok nowadays, don't we? Like, you know, uh, yeah. something happens and then, and then someone does a react video and then that ex- ends up getting more traction than the actual event itself. It's it's incredible how herd mentality, when tilted in the right direction, can make such a big impact. Yeah. And that's just what, that's what I've learned about bullying too. Yeah. It's just sometimes that little interjection of voice of reason. You know what? Right? I don't feel that way. You're right. I don't like that. I thought I like, we just, as humans, we naturally transpire to that. But you know, it's the second we think for a second, like in our real heart of heart, we're like, no, that's not right. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, like we're hypnotized or something. And I guess the underlying theme on what we're talking about here, Tyler, is, is, is consciousness. You know, like a lot of us go on autopilot day after day and not actually think about what is it we want? What is it our real opinion is? What is it that we actually are striving for? Is it what we want or is it what someone else is prescribing for us? I mean, as an entrepreneur, you would probably see that a lot as people like, oh, no, I've got to have this thing because someone said I've got to have it. But that actually isn't what's going on, right? 
No, and I, I I've had this recent thought. It's like, what is your definition of success? Mm-hmm. And the second you describe your definition of success the same as everybody else, you've already strayed off the path. Yeah. We're all so different. Your definition of success cannot possibly be what everybody else's is. And I promise you, if you use their definition, you won't be fulfilled, mm. you know? And so like, I mean, the world's perception is happy or excuse me, happiness is lots of money, beautiful, significant other sports cars, fame, you know, look at those folks. You know, I look at those folks all the time. A lot of them drink themselves to death. Mm. That's supposed to be happiness. Look at them, mm-hmm. right? They're not happy, you know? So I don't know. I think we just have to realize what makes us happy. You know, it's like we need money as a tool. That's why business is the best way on the planet to change anything because it takes resources to change things. Mm -hmm. But I'm more motivated towards changing something of passion than I am having a Ferrari, you know? Absolutely. And and I think once you get the Ferrari, I know a lot of people with them, (laughs) they're not that happy. They get talked to by a lot of young uh, 15-year-old kids, you know, about it. But (laughs) That's nothing but a symbol, is it? Um, Now, as an entrepreneur, when you look at success um, and you also are very focused on fitness as well and actually taking care of yourself as an entrepreneur to perform at your best, with that in your tool belt, what considerations do you give for spirituality in what you do? Oh, it's, it's the full focus of my life, really. You know, the underlying reason I do anything, right? So I believe that I have missions in this world and I should do my best to accomplish them. And it doesn't matter what you deem to be your maker in this world. We can call it religion. We can call it spirituality. I, I don't, I actually like, I will, um, I think we're more the same on that level than anything else. Mm. I don't need definitions, you know, but when I'm done at the end of this world and lay my pillow on life, you know, I personally believe I have a maker. If you don't, that's fine, you know, but um, I want my maker to smile at me and say, you did good, you know, and that's my overlying goal in life is my maker to smile at me when I'm done at this world and say you did good. Mm, I love it. And this is it. You know, there's so many people who are in, I'm using air quotes, a success here. Uh, You know, they've got the money, they got the fame, they got the cars, they got the whole thing, Um, but they're empty inside and they're not connected to themselves. They're just so disconnected from everyone and everything. And I think that's where, you know, when it all starts to fall apart, that the spirituality steps in and they go, you know what? You're going to need this too. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, if life is just a monopoly game of collecting a bunch of stuff, I don't want any part of it. Like if that's our whole goal in life, you know, it's like, and there's a lot of, I do believe to not to go too far down the wrong class. I do believe there's evil in this world. Right. And I believe it's up to good people to stand up to evil. Right. Mm. We're all people. And like, I'm blessed to live in a country where you can go from welfare to success, right? Not everybody's so lucky. And we have this big pool of resources as a world. And we get a lot more over here. And if you're a celebrity with a huge business, you have a bigger pool of those resources, right? Mm. And it's because the world made you that. They watched your television program. They went to your sports show. You know, it's like the world gave you this. It's like, I loved Arnold's new documentary. You know, he says Mm. at one point, he goes... Don't you, you can call me a Nazi. You can call me a um, sauerkraut. And he says all these <laughs> phrases and he's like, but don't you dare call me self-made. Mm. And you know, like 
I would, I'm as close as you get to self-made, but I'm not self-made. People supported my businesses, you know, like they, they bought into my companies, they bought into me, you know, it's like, even though I started in a dirt lot in a trailer with no water and electricity, you know, and I built my business off a couple grand, I'm still not self-made, you know, and I remember that all the time, you know, it's like people have given me resources in this world because they've, they've used my businesses, right? And in turn, I try to use those resources for as many good things as possible. Mm. And this is it. We can't do it alone, can we? Like if we want to no. get somewhere, we don't go alone. I think it was Obama that quite often used that one. You know, if we want to go somewhere, we go together. So yeah. now I, I have been thinking all along as we've been chatting, Tyler, You've, st- you've started all these businesses, you've done so many different things. What would you say has been the biggest lesson you've learned throughout all of it that's helped you to get to what you define as success? Jeez. The problem is, uh, yeah. And I'm still striving towards it, right? I'm desensitized to what that is. Um, I don't even feel like I'm close to there yet, you know? Um, And, you know, I had so long where people didn't believe in me, you know, and now it's weird because people do. It's like I do a little speaking these days. I like to go speak to the youth as much as possible. Just came back from a high school in Kansas. Um, Go down to this first generation um, uh, college kids, usually from underprivileged backgrounds. I remember this one kid stood up after my speech and he's like, Tyler, I'm going to follow you, man, because I can't wait to see what you do next. And it gives me goosebumps every time. And it's like, the second I want to lay down and settle down and stop doing as much, I think about that kid, right? And that's more motivated than proving my teachers wrong, like Mm -hmm. I used to use, you know? And so like my definition of success, since I am an entrepreneur as well, is impact, Mm -hmm. right? Impact and being a kind-hearted human being. And a lot of times I tell people these days too, is like, if you've got a kind heart, give it everything you need to go with that. Give it the resources through business or your job or whatever else. Get out there and lift weights. Get out there and train MMA. You know, bring that heart of yours, the badass shell, because the world needs more big-hearted badasses. And I'm convinced of that. And so I think success is being able to strive towards anything you want to change in this world. But to be honest, like, I'll never be happy with where I get to. You know, it'll be a constant push till the end, I'm positive of it. And so, um, so I said, I think success is just finally realizing the journey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's where you and I are the same. <laughs> uh, we just keep on pushing. We're like that, that terrier, you know, we just keep going. Yes. Now, yeah. if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about all you do and also check out your podcast and all your other work, where can they go? Yeah, they can uh, go to my website, Tyler at uh, Tyler, or excuse me, TylerUriah.com. I'm really easy accessible, folks. So if you have business questions, that's my purpose in life is to help you with that stuff, right? Why spend years on it when I can probably have a conversation that's going to save you some time? So I do try to do as much of that. I promise you, if anybody sends me an email message, anything else, I will respond. I do less time plugging my businesses. Uh, all you have to do is watch my watch or listen to my content for good. All those resources go to charities. And I believe, you know, as a world, if we just, if the Kardashians can make millions of dollars for YouTube, why can't we do it for good, right? And so all I'm asking, or Mr. Beast Philanthropy, watch Mr. Beast <laughs> Philanthropy. All it takes is watches. 
put it on in the background, you know, it's like, so, um, so yeah, if you want to contact me, Instagram at Tyler Uriah, you can send me a message. I will answer, um, email, uh, website, um, glad to connect with anybody and help you any way I can. I love it. Love it so much. Now I've been thinking the whole time about what your answer to the next question is going to be. And if you've listened to the show, you probably know what I'm about to ask you. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? More kindness. I would love to see more kindness in the world and more caring. You know, it's like we forget. And I think that's where people need to travel more. Travel, mm. explore, you know, because the second you do that, you realize that there's some wonderful, beautiful people in this world and they probably don't have what you have, mm. right? And so I would like to see kindness and caring throughout the world. And I would like to see people with resources that have helped those that can't. Mm. And you're so right. You know, traveling is such a great leveler, isn't it? And it's also such a great educator. Um, in a former life, I actually used to be a travel agent. So um, oh, I, I, amazing. I, I got to see a whole other side of the world. And, you know, it, it helps you to see that, you know, you're not just in your little bubble, that other people have it very different to you. And, and that's where you can actually learn from them. It is just oh. such a great thing to experience. Absolutely. And, you know, like the hearts of people, you mm. know, it's like we go to Cambodia and the kids have nothing. They're living in trash dumps, but they're the smilingest, happiest so kids you ever yeah. met. Yeah. <laughs> Takes and the I think everybody things. needs to see that, mm. you know, so. Yes. And here we are stuck in our, you know, first world problems, huh? <laughs> yes. I, and I think that's what levels your mind back out. Right. Mm. And I'm so one of the reasons we started the docuseries where we travel the world is because I know how it important I get into these businesses and I get hyper-focused. I put all my time and effort and I forget to do these other things. The docuseries makes me travel twice a year mm. to like places that you wouldn't even imagine because I know how important that is for me. And I know how important bringing those stories back to the world is. Love it. And is that uh, accessible from your website if people want to check out the docuseries? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, so we went, uh, filmed in Cambodia last January. The docuseries turned out so good that the first episode that we're actually heading back again in January to collect some more footage. And it looks like we're going to initially launch at film festivals. Oh, wow. Um, we, we owe it to the founder of the organization to do everything we possibly can to raise awareness to what they're doing because he is the most amazing person I've ever met in my life. He's my Michael Jordan of the world, and I lucky enough got to meet him. And um, and so, unfortunately, no announcements on being able to see the docu series yet because we actually have to keep it really quiet if we're going to take it to the film festivals. Gotcha. But please follow me; I will announce <laughs> those things as I can. And uh, everybody in the world is going to know Scott Neeson if I have anything to do with it. Stay tuned, folks. Well, you've heard it first here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's just. And that's the people of the world that we need to support too. When mm. we're over here and we're running businesses and stuff, those people that are boots on the ground dealing with the heartache every day, we owe it to them to support them as best we can. Amen. Tyler, you are a powerhouse. I am so proud to have met. Thank you so much for being a part of the Ethical Evolution. Oh, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. I enjoyed our conversation a lot. Stay in touch, please, too. Absolutely. I love to connect with great people in the world. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com.
www.thepodcastmaker.com. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.